So I want to start actually by just dedicating this shir, Le'ili Nishmas Menachem Mendel Ben Avram. It's my grandfather who was Nifter yesterday. Um, so anyways, let's get down to business. Talking about the third base Amigdash. So obviously we're talk- here to talk about Geul and Mashiach, what is one of the most central things that, central elements of Geul and Mashiach is the Beis HaMikdosh, obviously. Now, we know we already had two Bote Mikdosh, and between them they stood for uh, 800 plus years. What's so special? What is it that we're looking forward to the Beis HaMikdosh, the third Beis HaMikdosh, so much? It's something that we're awaiting for thousands of years. We had two, they came and went. We know that the third Beis HaMikdosh is going to be Nitzchi, it's going to be eternal. Uh, the question is why? What does that mean? What is it about the Beis HaMikdosh and about the nature of the Beis HaMikdosh that makes it eternal? I'm going to read a couple of lines from Zohar. It says, this is a quote, direct quote straight out of Zohar. And it's talking about the Beis HaMikdosh that are built by the hands of man, by people. And therefore they did not, they did not last forever. They were not eternal. Shlomo knew, Shlomo Melech knew that the Beis HaMikdosh he built would not be eternal because it was man-made and everything that's man-made will with time deteriorate and not be eternal from a physical sense also from a philosophical perspective and therefore therefore it says if Hashem will not build a house those who built it they worked for it they toiled to build it in vain why? Because any base English that's built just by man, as everything that's built by man, will have a time limit, it'll deteriorate, and eventually it'll be destroyed. And this was true of the, both of the first two Botemikdash. It's not going to last forever. Up until now, up until this point, says the first building that was built by Hashem, it's not a man-made building, it's not a man-made temple, Beis HaMikdash. That one which Hashem, which God created, it has not yet come into the world. And about the time which will come, the future, it's written, Hashem, Hashem, God, the Creator, will build Yerushalayim. Him, he, no other. It's not going to be man-made. And this is why it's going to be in a whole different category. And this is the building that we are waiting for. We're not waiting for a man-made temple, a man-made Beis HaMikdash, which has no eternal existence, no existence which transcends the physical world and therefore is not limited by the limitations that make up the framework of the world that we know. So now we have one piece of information from the Zohar. The third base Amidish is going to be something that will be built by Hashem. It will, by definition, be infinite. And anything that Hashem builds or creates, its existence is limited only by the desire or interest of the creator of Hashem and how long he wants it to exist for. But there's no intrinsic limitation. There's no statute of limitations on the existence of something that's built by God. If he builds something, it exists as long as he wants it to exist. So that's why the third base of is going to be eternal. But that's a start, but that's still kind of ethereal. It's very general. The question is, what does that mean? 
it will become a lot more meaningful to us. It will become more tangible as we get more specific. And the more specific we get, the more into details we get, the more meaningful it will become, the more tangible it will become, the more real it will become to us as people. Not that what Zohar says is not true or real, but, you know, it's Zohar. And it would be nice to have something that will make it a little more tangible and something that we can relate to and just have a little bit more of a grip on than just the words of the Zohar. So there's a Gemara that talks about the third base Amikdash, the third temple. And what does it say? The third base Amikdash will not be like Avram, about whom it is written a mountain, Shekosu Boihar, and not like Yitzchak, that it's written about him a field. But it will be the Pasuk associates, and this is what the Gemara is talking about, the verse associates it with Yaakov, the third of the Ovis, the third of the forefathers. Why? Shekara'oi Bayis. That the Pasuk associates Yaakov with the house as opposed to a mountain or a field. What's a house? A house is a structure. It's a place that's solid. It's a place that people live. It's a place that people dwell. It's a place that people are at home. And the third base amigdash is going to be one where God will be truly at home. And that's why it's associated with the word house, which is why the Pasuk associates it with Yaakov, because Yaakov is associated with house. Now, again, obviously, this is what the Gemara says, and it's 100% true. But it still feels like almost, we could say, a bit of a game. It's like it says this here and it says that there and you pick and you match up all the words. And so it's going to be Yaakov because Yaakov says a house and this is a house and it's eternal and it's where Hashem's welcome. But it still doesn't actually mean all that much to us. What does this mean? What does Yaakov have to do with the house, have to do with the third base of English, have to do with the fact that this base of English is eternal and will have no limit, no end date? What does all of this, all of this mean? So let's talk, if we want to know what the Gemara is talking about and what the meaning of this is on perhaps a deeper level, it's talking about Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov. Let's look at what we know about Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. So we know, it's talked about in Chassidus a lot, it brings from Sifre Kabbalah, that Avram is connected to the sphere of Chesed, kindness. Yitzchak is connected to Gvura, strength. And Yaakov is connected to Tiferes, which is beauty associated with Rachamim, which is mercy. What, what does this mean? What is chesed? What is gvura? Chesed is kindness. Gvura is strength. Now, these things exist on many levels, and we discussed this a few weeks ago. These names, these labels of chesed and gvura apply to koiches hanefesh, to faculties within our souls. They also apply to the spheres above. The spheres are the elements that make up the structure, and it's a very consistent structure throughout everything that exists. Everything that exists from the highest levels of the spiritual down to this physical world and every specific creation within it, everything is built upon the same consistent system. And this is a system which is based on a structure of 10. Now, the 10 elements in this system are, are referred to with the names. Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzachod, Yesod, Malchus. These are the 10 names of... The, of now, in different places, they call different things. In our souls, and this applies to the godly soul, the nefesh elikis, it applies to the animal soul, the nefesh abahamis. These are called koiches hanefesh. These are abilities of the soul, or faculties of the soul. When we talk about the same structure as, as it exists within spiritual worlds, spiritual realities, they're not called koiches. They're not faculties or abilities, because worlds don't have abilities. They're called spheres. These are the elements which make up 
the various worlds. So they're very different things. And chesed as it exists in the highest of all worlds, chesed in Atzilus, is a very different thing to chesed in Bria and in Yitzir and Asiya. And each of the different realities, it's a very different thing. It has the same name because they're equivalent. They are the equivalent in different realities. Chesed in Atzilus is the equivalent of chesed in Bria, which is the equivalent of chesed of the ability of kindness that we have in our souls. They're equivalent but they're very different. So what's chesed? Chesed generally is translated as kindness because that's the version of chesed that we relate to the most closely because that's what we know. We're people. We don't know what chesed in Atzilus is. We can't relate to it. It's not something that we're ever going to get. We understand what chesed in a person is. It's kindness. It's a, a nature of being giving. So now, does chesed... The, the, this sphere of chesed in Atzilus in, in, in spiritual worlds, is it kindness? Are worlds kind? Worlds aren't kind. You know, they say it's a cruel world. The world's not kind, the world's not cruel. A world doesn't have a, a personality. There are elements within the world that are equivalent to what we know as kindness, and there are elements within the world that are equivalent in their nature and their characteristics and their descriptions to what we know as strength, as gvura as being demanding. So we call them chesed and gvura, kindness and strength. In each of the different realities and contexts that they exist, what they actually are is very different. So what is this thing of chesed? What, is, what are the characteristics of chesed that are true of what we know, the version of chesed that we know, which is kindness? And that's giving, providing, taking something and putting in a place where it doesn't necessarily belong and it isn't necessarily deserved. Right? A person who's kind, if someone stretches out a cup, a person's thirsty, you'll pour water into the cup because that's kind. Does that mean that chesed in Atzilus, that this, this attribute that's called chesed in a spiritual world is going to put water in a cup if someone comes along? First of all, there are no people there. Second of all, no, that's not what it means. But it is the same idea of transmission, passing things on from above to below, taking something from where its natural state is and putting it into a place where it may not be existent because that's not where it's naturally found, but put it there anyways. So this is the first of the mitzvahs. Before you can have Gvurotiferis or anything else, if this structure of ten as it exists in each spiritual world is a way that Ur Ein Sof, that infinite light, that godly light is transmitted and brought down, the first step has to be Passing it down, providing and transmitting it onwards. Then once it's been transmitted onwards, you can start to work with it and do different things and you can apply gvur and tifres, etc., etc., etc. So chesed is this idea of transmission, of providing, of giving. Now, what is a giving person called? Kind. So in the context of the characteristics of people, chesed is kindness, or at least kindness is an element or an aspect of chesed, of true chesed, pure chesed. What's gvura? Strength, being demanding. And this is where it's interesting because the, the Svarim that say that Avram is associated with chesed, Avram was known to, to, to be a very generous, very giving. Avram had his tent in the middle of the desert and he would provide food and drink and give things to people regardless of not or not of whether they deserved it, etc. No one had any money to pay. They still were given full meal, given everything they needed. He was a giver. It's, it's interesting, it's a little perhaps less clear, the source 
in the Torah, in the written Torah, in the Psukim, in the verses of the Gvura element, the demanding nature of Yitzchak, but what it's, what it's connected to in terms of the Psukim in the verses is the fact that Yitzchak built dug wells. What does that have to do with Gvura, with being strong, being demanding? What is a well? Avram Avino gave people a drink in a cup. They'd come, they'd hold out a cup, he'd pour water in. A well, you don't pour water into a well. A real well, at least, is not a place you pour water in. A well, the idea of a well is that you dig and you dig and you dig deeper and deeper in the ground until you get to a place where there nat- water naturally exists. And once you tap into it and access it, once you hit the water table, the water can rise up and fill the well. And now you have access to water. Now, how did that water get there? Someone didn't come with a hose and fill it up. That's what Avram did, because Avram was chesed. He would transmit, he would give, he would provide. Yitzchak is gvura, demanding. Now, we could perhaps just to, to demonstrate, because there's a misconception, people think of gvura, of this demanding nature, as being negative, being bad, being mean, cruel. It's not mean or cruel. You could have a teacher. You could have two approaches. One teacher provides information. You have another teacher who says, I'm not going to give you the information. I'm going to train you to figure it out yourself. And in some ways, the second teacher may be being actually a more effective educator than the first teacher. We're going to get to that in a little more detail. So Yitzchak didn't say, I'm not going to give you water. But Yitzchak said, let's do this properly. Instead of just taking water and putting it somewhere where it doesn't naturally belong, let's dig and bring out the water that's already there. That's gvura, strength. Strength doesn't mean being mean. It means being demanding, being strong. And bringing it back again to the example of a teacher, in some ways, the student who is taught by a teacher, who's trained by a teacher, who, who is gvuradik, who is strong and demanding and says, I am going to lead you to be able to find the answer yourself, that student in many ways is likely to come out much more capable, much more competent much more capable of learning and figuring things out and, and, and acquiring information later on of the student's own initiative. So in some ways, it's, it's better. Why? Because the water is part of the well. So when you haven't given something that doesn't belong, when you take a student and you give them information, you just provide information, it's a nice thing to do. You provide lots of information. But providing information may be very limited in the scope in which it actually helps the student at the end of the day. Number one is, who says the student's going to even remember when they walk out of the classroom or when they walk away from the class at the end of the year or whatever it is. And even if they do remember it for the rest of their life, it's something that they've memorized. It's not information that they have acquired, information that they have come to realize of their own, information that is their own knowledge. It's knowledge that was given to them. When a person reaches a realization as a result of a process by which they worked to get there, it becomes their own. It's something that has a much deeper connection to them. It's something that has a much stronger effect on them. It's much more likely to affect their behavior and actually affect who they are because it's something that they have a strong connection to because they brought it out. It's real. It's their own thing. It's a part of who they are. All they had to do was uncover it and bring it out. Someone didn't just put something into their mind that wasn't naturally theirs. It is theirs. It's a much harder process to get there, which is why it's called gvura. It's strength. It's demanding. That's why Yitzchak dug wells to bring out the water that was already there. So this is chesed and gvura. 
Chesed is kindness, Gvura is strength or demanding. And again, bringing Gvura back to the worlds above, to the equivalent, because again, there's no demanding nature in worlds, because that doesn't make any sense. Demanding is a characteristic of people. Perhaps it may be a characteristic of animals. That may or may not be the case. I don't know. Um, but it's certainly not a, a characteristic of environments, of scenarios, of realities. So what is Gvura there? Gvura there is this, this element of, of reduction, of being strong, reducing, constricting things down. Sorry? Restriction? Yeah. Restriction. Restricting things down to, in, 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 in a way that's limiting. The teacher who is strong, a teacher who's demanding, is very limiting in what they provide the student. I'm not going to give you everything I have. I'm going to give you the absolute minimum that I can to lead you to the point that you'll get it on your own. So Gvura, above, the spiritual version of Gvura, the version of Gvura that exists in the worlds above, is limitation. It's restriction. Restriction, now... What, what, how, how does this relate to being demanding and bringing a student to a place that they get to on their own? If, let's tr- backtrack, before the world was created, before existence, there was Hashem, there was the Creator, there was God, and there was what's called the Or Ein Sof, the infinite light. It's just a natural result of there being a radiant entity is that there will be radiance. It radiates. Now, in the presence of infinite radiance, you can't have something which has a sense of individual identity. Because it's just going to be completely overwhelmed by infinity. So in order for us to exist, in order for us to be able to actually achieve things, to, over, to face and overcome challenges, we have to have a sense of independent significance, which comes from, which is facilitated by, a restriction, a reduction in the extent to which godliness is revealed. That makes things more difficult. It makes things more challenging. It gives us the ability to then face challenges and stand up to and overcome challenges and to reach places we never could have reached if we had just been basking in in the infinite glory of the divine radiance. Because there would be no achievement. There can't be achievement by definition. The first base of Mikdash, the first temple is connected to Avram. In the first base of Mikdash... There were incredible miracles. There were revelations of godliness. The Mishnah talks about the 10 miracles that were seen on a regular, ongoing basis in the first place of Mikdash. It was an incredible time for the Jewish people. Things were amazing physically, spiritually. There was the Aron, the Ark in the, in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in the Holy of Holies in the Beis Amikdash. And there were the Luchas in there, etc. The second Beis Amikdash was, oh, so, but what happened? You had the first base Amikdash, which was associated with Chesed. Now, Chesed is very specific. It's giving, and as it applies in terms of the evolution of spirituality, it's blasting radiance, it's providing godliness in, in, in an unmeasured form, just providing without limitation. But that in and of itself is a very defined characteristic. It's chesed, it's not gvura. It's very specific, it's very defined. And as soon as something is specific or defined, by definition it becomes limited. It can't exist in a place that doesn't, that isn't compatible with its definition, with its nature, its characteristics. It can't coexist with another entity 
that isn't compatible with it. So because chesed and the first base of English was associated with chesed, as amazing as chesed is, and not just human kindness, even chesed, spiritual chesed, which is transmission and unrestricted transmission of godliness, as infinite as that is, it is qualitatively very limited, very defined. It's a very specific characteristic, and therefore, it's going to be limited. And that Beis Amikdosh came to an end. So the first Beis Amikdosh came to an end because it was associated with something very specific, which was Chesed. Then we have Gvura. The second Beis Amikdosh was associated with Gvura. The second Beis Amikdosh is associated with Yitzchak. Now, Yitzchak is Gvura. Gvura is demanding. Gvura is restriction. The extent to which divinity was revealed, was present in the second base of Migdosh, was much less than it was in the first base of Migdosh. The, the open miracles weren't present the way they were in the first base of Migdosh. The Aaron, the Ark, wasn't present in the second base of Migdosh. Prophecy came to an end in the second base of Migdosh. So the revelation of godliness was much less. Why? Because the first base of Migdosh was chesed. It was just unmeasured revelation and transmission of godliness. The second base of Migdosh was gvura. It's demanding. It's restriction. Now, what's the outcome of that? A student who's taught by a demanding teacher, assuming that you have two students who are equally capable and equally talented, and they're taught by teachers who are equally capable as teachers but with different approaches, chances are the student who is taught by the demanding teacher may come, will come away at the end of the year with less information. The student who has the chesed teacher, the teacher that is just has a nature of transmission, is going to come away with just an incredible amount of information. But the second student will have much less information, but the connection with the information will be immeasurably deeper and stronger because it's information that the student reached, acquired, and got to as a result of their own personal journey. They got there. The well was dug. The water was part of the well. It wasn't poured into there. Once you get a well active, you take a cup and you just spill out the water, the cup's empty because the water was poured in. It wasn't actually part of the cup. You pour it out, it's gone. You dig a well and you get an effective well as long as the source of the water underneath hasn't dried up. You take water out of the well, it's the same depth as it was before because it's connected to the source. It's a natural environment when water is naturally part of it and the water will continue to be there. So a student that had a demanding teacher, although this student will have far less information at hand. The connection with the information will be immeasurably deeper and strong. And that's what the second base Amigdash achieved. The revelation of godliness was much less. But because there was less revelation of godliness, we weren't basking in, in the glory of these miracles and the Oren and all these things that happened in prophecy that were there in the first temple. The second one, there was much less revelation, which means it was a much more worldly scenario. It was a much more worldly environment. So what? it, it was still a base amitos. It was still a, pla- a place where the Apostle, the verse says, make for me a temple, a sanctuary, and I will dwell there. So Hashem was there. The Creator was in the second base amitos. And because whatever presence of Hashem was in the second base amitos, it was in a second base amitos. It wasn't just something that was dumped here with the infinite revelation that wasn't really something that we related to, it was presented in a way that it was much more worldly. It was less miraculous. There was less revelation of divinity. It was a much more worldly situation. And therefore, the connection that was formed was much greater. Now, tracking back to the analogy of the students, 
each of the teachers has an advantage and a disadvantage. The advantage of the teacher, the chesed teacher, the teacher that just gives unmeasured transmission, is the student will come out with way more information. The disadvantage is that the connection with the information isn't as strong. Chances are the student will begin to forget. Chances are you ask the student in 30 years, it's much more likely that they're not going to remember a lot of the things they learned. The student who had the second teacher, the gvura, the demanding teacher, has much less information. That's a bad thing. It's not a good thing to have less information, but it's balanced by the fact that that information was acquired by the student. And chances are when this student reached this conclusion as a result of the student's own journey and got there and dug out that which was something that was the student's originally and initially it was there, it just had to be brought out. The student's probably going to remember that for a long, long time. So the connection's greater, the quantity is less. So the same thing, the first base, I mean, just the first temple, there was much more divinity, much more godliness that was present and being revealed in the world, but the connection to the world wasn't so strong. In the second base, I mean, just the second temple, the godliness, the divinity, the kedusha, the elokus that was revealed was a much lower, a far reduced quantity. The amount that was revealed was much less. But at the same time, because there was less revelation, it was a much more worldly event, which means that the things that godliness that did come into the world was able to be integrated with the world and become part of the world to a far deeper extent. But that base of English also came to an end. Why did that Pesach English come to an end? Because despite the advantages that Gvura has over Chesed, despite the advantages that the student who was taught by a demanding teacher has over the student who was taught by a teacher with Chesed, with infinite transmission, it's still a very specific approach. It's Gvura and it's not Chesed, which means that it is defined by the limitations that make Gvura Gvura. It's defined by the limitations that make a demanding nature a demanding nature and not a giving nature. And therefore, it only exists and can be effective in certain situations, in certain scenarios. And it came to an end, just like the first one did. Each one was defined. Each one was defined qualitatively. It had a very specific defined nature. And therefore, it came to an end because it had a period of time in which its nature was compatible. And that came to an end. Both of them came to an end. Now, what's the third sphere in the series of Midas? Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes. Very good. Thank you, Abba. Now, if we look at, there are maps, right? There are maps that are drawn and then, you know, there's, there's truth to them. It depends where they come from. Some maybe come from truer sources than others, from more connected sources than others. But there are maps where the spheres have drawn out. And they have this, this three-lined structure. You have chesed on the right, gvura on the left. Now, in Tikkun we say uh, every Friday at Mincha, we say chesed droya yemina, chesed is the right upper limb. Gvura, strength, droya, smaller, is the left upper limb. And when you look at the chart, chesed's on the right, gvura's on the left, both at the same horizontal level. Tiferes is below, in between. It's a middle line. Why is it middle? What's Tiferes? The translation of Tiferes is beauty. Um, I'm not going to start doing electron fashion. I'm definitely not qualified, but... There's something that's uh, one of the, or an idea that's utilized very much in fashion, interior design sometimes, and all kinds of, all kinds of, of matters of design, is contrast. It's used a lot in photography, which is something that I am a little bit more familiar with. Contrast. What does contrast mean? Contrast means when you have two things that are very different, 
you have a contrast that's brought out between them. And at times, if you have something that's just all one color, all one hue, all one shade, it can become a bit bland. And as beautiful as that color is, there's a limit to how striking something can be if it's all just one color and shade. And that's what chesed and gvura are. They're incredible things. Chesed is an incredible thing and Gvur is an incredible thing. Now let's go back to these two teachers in the analogy. You have the teacher who just gives incredible amounts of information. And we're talking about someone who transmits the information effectively and the students come out knowing the information. It's amazing. It's an incredible thing. It's an incredible gift to give the students and it's an incredible gift for the teacher to have. Gvura, the teacher who teaches with strength, is also incredible. It's training students to learn how to reach conclusions and reach information on their own. But imagine the teacher who can balance both. Imagine the teacher who can give an incredible amount of information in a way that they get the student to reach it on their own. Now, it's kind of difficult to fit it into this analogy because at least in the pure forms that we're discussing, they're kind of opposites. Because the fact is, by definition, when you are teaching in a demanding way, the student is going to come out with a far less quantity because it's a process to get every little piece of information, which is why the connection is deep. So Tiferes is a combination. It's the middle path. Tiferes has both Chesed and Gvura combined in one, which is why it's beautiful. There's a contrast. There's a mixture of opposites. Now, when you get the mixture of contrasting colors, of contrasting textures, whatever it is, and you get the balance right, it can introduce a whole new level of beauty, of appeal, that can't be achieved when you only have one color, no matter how beautiful that color is. Tiferes is beauty. Tiferes is a combination of opposites. How is that possible? How do we get, if we have chesed and gvura, and each of them is limited, and chesed doesn't have the advantages of gvura, and gvura doesn't have the advantages of chesed, kindness and being demanding, transmission and demanding, they're opposites. How do you get to Tiferes? And the answer is, this is something, this is the, the idea behind something that's a little bit cryptic that we sometimes see. There's an expression that says, Tiferes oila ad hakeser. Tiferes goes up to keser. What's keser? Keser is the crown. Keser is, refers to this level of godliness, this infinity urin so that sits above the system of ten. It's not part of the system of ten of Chochmah bin Adas, Chesed, Gvur, Tiferes. It's transcendent. It's encompassing. Tiferes taps into that. That's something that's not limited. That's um, a far deeper level, I guess we could say, of divine radiance of Urin Sof. And when you can tap into that and bring that into the scenario, you're able to let go of limitations. And that's why, because Tiferes taps into that, it's able to let go of the limitations of Chesed, the limitations of Gvura. And then you can combine the two and have opposites. And that's what the third base of English is. That's Yaakov. Yaakov is midosay emes. Yaakov, we know it says his truth. What's truth? Absolute truth. Now, if someone can say something, yes, that's true. Now, if someone says something that's true, it's true in the context that they said it. If they say it in a different context, that may not be true. That means it's not an absolute truth. It's a relative truth. It's a truth in the scenario in which they said it, in that context. Something that's absolutely entirely true has to be true always by definition. Now, Yaakov, because he's Tiferes, Tiferes, he has this beauty. He can combine opposites and get to Tiferes, the combination of Chesed and Gvura. How does he get there? Because it taps into a higher source that is beyond the limitations of what makes Chesed, Chesed, Gvura, Gvura. Now, let's kind of have to tie things up. 
Um, yeah, we're way over already. Um, I didn't read the clock properly. Okay, um, we're about halfway through. <laughs> I'm going to speed, um, pick up the pace a little. So there is chesed, there is gvura, there is godliness, uh, there is kindness and gvura demanding st- transmission and, and, and demanding. All of these are things that Hashem created, God created. They're spiritual and physical. They're different. God created them both. Let's go deeper. There is finiteness. There is limit, limitation. And then there is infinity. There's bligvul. Even infinity, even bligvul is something that the creator created. Hashem, God, is not infinite. He's not unlimited. Because that is a definition. And if you say that God's unlimited, you're saying that God is not limited, which means you're saying God is this and God's not that. Which means that it's not a real God. The creator is the creator of limitation, the creator of the, the, the concept of infinity, the concept of limitation and lack of limitation. So the creator, God, Hashem, is absolutely undefined, completely undefined. You can't say anything about him. You can't say that is limited or that is infinite. He creates the concept of limitation, the concept of lack of limitation, of infinity. Creates chesed, creates gvura. When you tap into that, now, the first two Batemikdash were built by man. They were limited. They were connected to godly revelations, godly, not godly revelations, godly characteristics, chesed and gvur. These are, these are divine things. They exist in, in, in spiritual realities, but they're defined. The third Batemikdash is connected to Yaakov. Yaakov is Tiferes. Tiferes is a combination of opposites because it reaches above, it reaches it to creator himself. The third base Amigdash is not built by man. The Zohar tells us the third base Amigdash is built by Hashem. Now, the base Amigdash, the, the, you know, there's an expression, the dawn of time. You say something's been around since the dawn of time. The dawn of time is a real thing. Hashem created time. Time didn't always exist. In the beginning, there was just God. God created time and space, created a world within time and space. Now, at the beginning, the first two psukim of Torah, the Torah says, Bereshis In the beginning of creation, God, in the beginning of creation of heavens and earth, there was The Spirit of God was hovering above the water. So the Midrash Yalkut Shemoni says, What's ruche, what, what is the Spirit of Hashem? This is the Spirit of Mashiach. And Rabbeinu B'chayi, Medrash Rabbeinu B'chayi says, why was the spirit of Mashiach there? At the beginning, and the Apostle says, at the beginning of the creation of the heavens and earth, there was what the Medrash describes as the spirit of Mashiach, because this was the plan all along. The world was planned. The reason the world exists, the reason time and space were created was in order to bring not just godliness, spirituality, but God himself, God itself. Into the world. And that's what the third base Amikdash is. The third base Amikdash is built by God. It's not something that was built by man and connected with godliness. It's built by God. And it's eternal by definition. It's not eternal incidentally. It's not just going to exist forever because it's going to happen to not get destroyed. It's going to exist forever because it's something that by definition is eternal. God is eternal. This is God's building. Something that's created by God's hands doesn't have limitation. It doesn't have an endpoint. And this is what we look forward to in the third base of English. The third base of English, we look forward to 
revelations in the world. And, and because, you know, before the world was created, there was godliness and you go above spiritual worlds. We can't exist there. We can't experience those revelations because there are revelations which are created by God. There's us which is created and they're created to be incompatible. The third base of English will be God himself and God himself can connect us with whatever he wants us to be connected with. He can allow us to experience whatever he wants us to experience. Even if those things are technically speaking, according to the rules of material and spiritual, incompatible, God's not limited by that. God's the one who made those rules. And therefore, because the third Beis Amigdash will be built by God himself, it will be the Beis Amigdash of Yaakov, of absolute truth that's not limited to a certain scenario. It's always true. It's absolute truth. And therefore, it can bring opposites together. That's the third Beis Amigdash that we look forward to. But as Hashem, it should be immediately. Amen.